Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com. Coming soon to iOS and Android. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Happy Wine Wednesday, everybody. This is a very special episode of The Swirl Suite. We had a watch party yesterday. We tried to go live with it, but there are a lot of rules that we didn't realize. So um, YouTube pulled us down from our live event and uh, we went live on Facebook after we watched the show man fire food with our special guest dr howard conyers so we talked about barbecue we talked about wine dr conyers not only is a pit master but he's a rocket scientist you heard me right he is a rocket scientist who is a pit master and he studies barbecue in the black culture We talked a lot about family history, and after some back and forth, we found out Janine and Glennis might be cousins. We talk about everything from pigs to cows to chitlins to sides, types of coleslaw. Definitely going to make you hungry. It's going to make you want to eat and drink. We start out with introductions, and then that leads to the after show discussion. Let us know what you think. I'm Dr. Howard Conyers, um, originally from Manhattan, South Carolina. Also known as a pit master rocket scientist. I'm an aerospace engineer, testing rocket engineers at Stennis Space Center in Mississippi. Um, living currently in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I mean, I'm just uh, thankful to be on this opportunity because uh, alcohol and, and beverage has a, a very close relationship with the whole uh, barbecue culture. And that's something we don't really talk about a lot, but um, we need to get more into that. And after the show, I definitely have some thoughts. So like, I want to talk to you all about like, the, wine, the wineries or distilleries or breweries, like I'm seeing there's a lot of brands, but I haven't seen there's a lot of actual producers. And I think there's a difference in that conversation. And I think we have to get back to that because we were producers mm-hmm. uh, prior to coming to the United States, as well as we were producers in the American South where I'm from, uh, whether it was a Muscadine wine or a Scuppernon. So I just want to have a conversation with you all, but uh, I want to also have a fun time talking about this show, Man Fire Food, when I was on for 30 minutes, so. All right. Thanks. And and I'm drinking Pinot Noir for you all. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. We have another guest, Janine. How are you? Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a while since I've seen anybody outside of the internet, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm Jimmy Copeland. Um, I am a, well, right now, I guess I'm kind of figuring out what it is that I'm doing. Um, I finished a wine bar in Washington, D.C. for two years. And prior to that, I um, was just working in restaurants around the city that were very highly decorated. So um, I'm trying to figure out how to pivot outside of the restaurant industry while still working with food and beverage and culture because that's what I really enjoy. Um, and most recently, or the most 
recent project that I'm working on is a um, collaborative journal. Um, the journal that I'm working on is entitled FOH, um, F Out of Here. And it's a collaborative journal of Black hospitality workers' experiences. I feel like we go through so much and through our stories, we are always just finding another way. And when I was young in this industry, or even just two years ago before I got the chance to meet some of my colleagues, I was like, I'm never going to be able to get out of this. If I talk about my experiences, I'll never be able to come out of them. So I just want people to have that, that space to talk about what they've gone through. We definitely going to ask more questions after the show. Yeah, okay. looking forward to seeing that. And Leslie? what are you drinking, Janine? Oh, what are you drinking, Janine? So it's the Calabretta. It's from um, Etna. Um, it's a rosado, some roasted strawberry smoky things going. So I figured it would be good for the barbecue episode. Glennis, hey. Hey, what's happening? Introduce um, yourself to the people. Hey. Hi, people. This is Glennis Vino Noir. Um, all things wine. Love wine. Ari Wine on Facebook as well. Vino Noir, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And um, loving the idea of talking about barbecue right now as it's warming up outside and folks getting back to a new norm. So I am drinking a, in honor of this, of Dr. Connors, I'm drinking a sparkling Shiraz. I don't know. It's Coringa. So I don't know what meats he's going to cook. So I said, let me just do the Shiraz, but it's too hot for me because I have hot flashes, y'all. <laughs> so I was not doing a Barolo or Bordeaux. I needed something with a little chill on it that can handle whatever barbecue he's going to talk about because I don't know what his, what his spice rub's going to be like or whether he's going to have them or not. So I figured I'd play it safe and I just wanted y'all to see the Look how dark that is. That is pretty. That's Ooh. the sparkling Shiraz. I love that. Mm. I am Leslie Freelo with um, Vino 301. I had to think for a minute. Um, <laughs> and I am uh, all things Maryland wine. And I'm excited to say that we're going to start our tour soon okay. on the 20th. So. It'll be, it won't be at full capacity, but I'm excited to get back out there and start touring uh, Maryland Vineyards. And um, I am drinking a Margot tonight. Oh, nice. nice. Very nice. And I figured I'd mm. bring out the big guns. And so it is a Cab Sauv and uh, Merlot blend. I have some napkins in case you start perspiring. I, exactly. <laughs> Hello. Hey, hey, hey Tanisha. It's Tanisha. All things, all things, a type of wine, all things French wine. And um, I'm coming to y'all live with my satin bonnet. And I'm looking forward to hearing what y'all all say before I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're keeping it real. Mm -hmm. Hey, y'all. I'm Sarita. Um, follow me at Vine Me Up everywhere on social media. Mm, since I'm, we've been in the quarantine, I've been cooking a lot on Instagram and pairing wine on social media. Um, my blog is Vine Me Up, so you can follow that too. Um, and we are happy to be here with Dr. Conyers to talk barbecue. Oh, okay. So I guess I didn't say where I, I didn't say where I went to school. I know Janine not gonna like this, but I went to North Carolina A&T undergrad. Oh my! Hey, 
Aggie Pride. Aggie Pride. You know. You know. <laughs> whatever. I don't know. I, I don't know if y'all the real Aggie. You know. And then, now. You know, I got to make sure I represent HBC, HBCUs first. And then uh, I went to Duke for a master's and PhD in mechanical engineering. So um, oh, no, that's a little no. bit about my background. Are you going to talk about how you got into barbecue on the show? Or are you going to tell us after the uh, show? No, no I, I better tell y'all now. So, okay. I learned about barbecue as a child. My father, I learned from my father. Every probably since like three or four years old, I was following my father around the barbecue pit itself, cooking whole hog barbecue. Mm -hmm. I, so I live on a family farm in South Carolina and in my community where we grew up in South Carolina, we were probably cooking at least 200 years um, through, throughout slavery in the community. But I have traced the barbecue culture that black people have been cooking pretty much American, this style of barbecue that I'm cooking on the show tonight uh, in the same manner since about about 350 to 400 years. So mm -hmm. this barbecue tradition that I preserve and carry forward is it went almost parallel to America's growth uh, even before it became the United States of America. So uh, when it was cooking on uh, plantations or pol political rallies in Virginia in the 1619, 1620 time frame, you had enslaved Africans and they were digging these pits that, in the ground that you would see. And when you, when you see the show tonight, you'll see like a one hog pit in there, but I will allude to it as like my ancestors cooked uh, long trenches and with media, they don't like, this particular media show, they allowed us to use the word slave, enslaved. So uh, we use ancestors, but uh, that is how old this tradition is. And so as we're in this moment with like Black Lives Matter and all this like with racism, even though it was a very harsh time in America, a lot of great things that influenced America and the world came out of it. And barbecue was in the pot, in the, it was in the process as America was doing this particular culture. It was also a form of passive resistance. Now, what I mean by passive resistance, sometimes enslaved Africans would steal pigs off the plantation and go into the woods and cook barbecue in the pit, just like I described. It may be one pit, one pig for one pit for themselves so they can have some kind of outlet. Right. And they'll usually be down in the woods. And so when you see this episode tonight, it really kind of dr drive that home because a lot of people haven't seen this style of pit cooking and probably in American My father stopped cooking like this in, I think, in the, mid in the 70s. I wasn't even born when, the, when, I was, when they were doing it like this. So uh, when I went back and did it on my barbecue journey, I knew I had, but my father told me everything I learned about barbecue came from this approach. It was stuff we did it above ground. And so I wanted America to know what black people contri contributed to society. And I wanted to go back to this uh, moment. So there would be a receipt somewhere for a lot of younger people to understand what this barbecue is all about. Also white people to understand what this barbecue is all about because we don't get the due credit that we deserve for it. And, um, when I brought this back out of my community, basically out my father's head because we didn't have any pictures, that kind of, um, that's why this is really important. So this is the episode we shot in uh, Dockville, Louisiana, which is about 30, about 15 minutes outside of New Orleans, right on the Mississippi River. So guys, this was the watch party portion of the show that I cut out. It was a little too much um, in the background, a little too much editing. It just wasn't going to sound good on the podcast. But here is the discussion after we watched the show. Cheers. What's interesting, um, Howard, my mother's side of the family is from Wallace, North Carolina, which is on the coast between Wilmington, about 40 miles north of Wilmington. And in my lifetime, I've seen pigs cooked in a pit. 
and um, it's a slightly different pit. Because um, I think if oh, I remember, I was a little girl, so now this could be just my imagination. Because I was <laughs> coming from the north down to the south, seeing this whole animal. So it to me, I thought the what my uncle was doing, he had it because he had a big farm and he set it up where the pig was still in the ground, but he could rotate it. I was like, and he was just inventive. He was doing some old. I mean, I, so I'm going to tell you, you never know if he was rotating. I mean, black farmers, I'm assuming he was a farmer, like they're the oh, most so. resourceful. They were the most, they don't know, the best engineers that we probably ever exactly. have had without, without any education. So, Exactly. He could have possibly been rotating, but or when you came around to see it, he maybe was rotating it. Okay, okay, because you know I wasn't trying to be out there too long. You, you probably wasn't out there the whole time. You probably you ain't never lied. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, you ain't never lied. And I had another question for you because North Carolina, um, well, barbecue is different geographically anyway. The sauces. Um, Carolina is very vinegar based with not a lot of extra anything in it. It's vinegar and just spices in their barbecue altogether. So you said you put... Let's talk about that. That's a good, that's a great point. Let's talk about it. It's totally good. So all jokes aside, barbecue across the American South was all the same up to about the 1950s and 1960s. Exactly. Especially in rural areas because every place where slavery went, they were using what you could call in Eastern North Carolina vinegar pepper-based barbecue sauce. That's exactly what my vin- family does. <laughs> and so in a, in an area like in my county, once you get on the other half of my county, they go to a vinegar pepper-based barbecue sauce, and it has like vinegar, black pepper, red pepper. They put a exactly. little bit of sugar in there, and, and that's, that's the base. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. I mean, some families may put a little other stuff in there, but I'm not going to give out their secrets. Secrets, but right. They, I, 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 <laughs> But that's that was that basic recipe was seen all over the South, and you were, some people call that a mop recipe, and some guys you may see apply it with a mop right. throughout the cooking mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. And the sauce recipe I did I had on that show was in my community about ninety something years. Okay. And what happened? What I imagine happened is as more commercial things come on the market, such as ketchup, uh, mustard. People start right. saying, you know what, let me add these things to the sauce pot. So we still uh, have vinegar, we still have black pepper, we still have uh, red pepper. We still have those other elements in there, but we put other things on top of it. Okay. And that's how you got it. But, and so the recipe you, your family was cooking then with that vinegar pepper-based barbecue sauce, mm-hmm. that recipe is like 400 years old. Yep. Um, uh, it was interesting. You have touched on so much because when when you first said the generations are not that far removed i told it you know the swirl sweet this my aunt my mother's my great aunt my grandmother's sister just passed shy of six months shy of her 110th birthday so her mother mother was her aunts and them were slaves so when so when i say it's one or two generations removed it's because I can actually lay hands on You could have laid hands on it. I mean, you're, yeah. I mean six, months, six months ago, your mom was a national treasure. I mean, yeah. all, your grandma... Yes, yes, indeed. She was on the... I mean, that's a national treasure. I mean, that's a national treasure. I mean, I, I hope your family got some oral recordings from her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we tried. We, we, 
Ooh, we got some things we don't want to release either because her brothers, I mean, she still has her brothers and sisters who are living. And Uncle Willis is 98, and the baby girl is 88. And that's all from that Wallace. Again, bar that barbecue, that farm cooking, those sweet potatoes, those melons, that we need to get back to that as a people. We, I, I, we need to. We, we need to get back to that. And so in this culture of barbecues like that, your, your family, somebody in your community probably had moonshine or yeah. stump hole liquor that or corn liquor. That was for the little kids. The moonshine for the, for the lemon kids. and a little honey. <laughs> what, do they, what do they call a hot toddy now? Hot toddy. Now call they hot. call a hot toddy. Like, <laughs> take this cough syrup and go to bed. <laughs> and sweat that coal out. Sweat that get coal? under the coat. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm country. I'm gonna tell you, I'm country. I mean, I, I'm an engineer, but I, I was raised in the old Southern ways. Mm -hmm. But we need to get back to those kind of ways as a people. And so, since this is with the swine, the wine industry, like how people used to make wine, used to make liquor, used to make beer. Like you probably, your family probably in Wallace, North Carolina, making muscadine and scuppernong wine. Scuppernon, Somebody in the community, exactly. Exactly. I know uh, some people. Uh, some people so call it bullets. very high in antioxidants, and you know, in the wine industry now, since it's so foo foo she she's a little too sweet for people. <laughs> but it's so it's so much more healthier. I mean, that scuppernog grape is unbelievable. It's because of the skin. The skin is so very thick, and the antioxidants are very concentrated in those. And and also, I think we should get into because our culture. I mean, like I know, like you got certain geographic bands, like the like Oregon and like Vermont, they Oregon. certain grapes go better in different it's locations. Certain. But for the culture, the African-American culture, we need to grow, we need to make wines up from some of those ingredients and actually sell those wines. Not just we make them in our homes, but actually sell those wines. Cause uh, mm -hmm. the grapes, I mean, I love the grapes cause some people call them bullets. We used to call some of those grapes bullets. Because you squeeze them, they shoot out like a bullet. <laughs> yeah, and they were big. They were, some were like big and black. They're big grapes. Yeah. But uh, I mean, curious to know that, I mean, those are like real memories, like food, bring us all together. Can you probably think like, why did I did not know that it'd be the same way. Um, the reason I also think those barbecue traditions lasted and the, it, it was a sense of community. It wasn't like right. an everyday thing. It brought the whole family together. And most of the time, I don't know how many aunts and uncles you have, but it, they were large families. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's it, it it's really all about, you know, from an economic standpoint, because I've had this conversation with um lot of hue people about why um so yaki chicken understand the economics behind it. You could take a chicken, cut it up and feed a family. Unlike you getting one little piece of steak and the father is the only one that can eat it. No, you need to feed Uncle Joe, maybe Auntie, the kids, cousin might stop over. And then when you, you finish with the chicken, you put that bone in that pot and you make it soup. It's about making soup with some kind of rice dish, stretching it, stretching it out. There you go. Eating the chicken Pour back and everything, not just eat. Not exactly. just eating the, the leg quarters, the wings, the you eat the chicken right. back. You eat, I mean, you eating all of it. You eat right. nothing going to waste. It's economic. Um, it's all about yeah, it. it gives it. It's all about Everything. economics. And uh, mm -hmm. I mean, what what is surprising when I think about people from that era and before me 
is we kind of have more today as a people. Right. But we sometimes have less. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, in this moment, people was going to stockpile food. But I'm pretty sure, like, when COVID first started, everybody trying to go stop their freezers. Exactly. And, and, and I guarantee you, our grandparents and parents, you're, I mean, they were not stocking their freezers in the, during the Great Depression. They, mm -hmm. they knew what they had. They maybe was like, we may have no money, but we had food. As long right. as we got dirt, as long as we got land, we got food. Right, right. Exactly. Um, and so that's kind of, that is a sad thing that we don't, we now currently can't kind of feed ourselves with that if it ever got down to that uh, necessity as a people. It, if Whole Foods... It's so true. That is so true. Because now I'm thinking about my I, on my mother's, my, my father's side, and you talked about making some bean soup and some onion soup, which is now a daggone delicacy. We don't have no money, but we can feed you. I can make a soup out of anything, is what my aunt would say. And make it right on a little stove, right in the middle. It didn't even have to be a stove like a GE stove. I'm talking about the stove heater that would heat kerosene you could make. I was like, what is going on here? But it's your that's theory. what it did. Or it had a fireplace in the house. They could they'll put a pot right there on the fireplace and they slow cook all day. Yes. Um yes, but no I think we kind of have to get back to something we, we can't go back there, but there's some things we could learn from them going right. forward. There a sense of community. Um and in the midst of COVID, I was thinking a lot about that in particular. Um, I also was thinking about this whole wine industry. I was thinking about the distillery industry. I was thinking about the, the brewery industry. I'm seeing all these lists, these lists of like breweries, distilleries. And when you look at who they are, they look like they're, they're brand names. And what I mean by brand names, I don't know if they actually own the venues. Right. And beta, it almost like they, you buy a wine and they, and they made it in somebody else's facility and they just put their label on it and say, this is my wine. They're buying There's the value. Juice. They're buying the juice. They're, yeah, buying, they're the buying the juice. Or they're mm -hmm. buying, I mean, there's a couple of different ways it happens. Either you, you're buying the juice, you're buying the grapes and then pressing it yourself. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the times because of uh, economics, we're buying ready-made juice and it's juice that they didn't want to use for their own label. So they're selling it to, you know, whoever. And you add... Yeah, I mean, you can add whatever to wine and make it taste like you want to. So you add a little sugar here, some half there, and then now you've got this product that tastes complete, but it's not an agricultural product anymore. It's processed. Right. right. Okay. Right. So, 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 so the capital to actually have the winery is very, the actual vineyard itself is really expensive. Yeah. So okay. even like in, out to buy land and then also be able to upkeep the vines on it is very very expensive mm -hmm. even if you look in france that's why they have like negotiant systems um mm -hmm. out in california they do similar practices mm -hmm. so i'm just thinking like about southern like southern wine that land is you know they don't like us to have land so i'm sh like you know it's expensive. <laughs> but we got hey I, I mean they don't like us to have it but we do have it and some some of us do we have it if we we need to get some more. Like I'm all about getting more. Like um, right. on my Instagram my page right now. Farm in <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Let's, you yes. can just live on it for me. It'll but be I great. Think there's, I think there's, I think there's a lot of opportunity that people aren't aware of, and um, that a lot of federal and state 
um, organizations have that same concern of keeping agriculture growing and going. So there's opportunity there to, to receive funding to um, continue to grow stuff. And there's, there's a number of organizations that are just grape growers that people could start to participate in just to grow the grape. And then eventually they could start to make their own wine. Mm -hmm. okay the people just that information isn't shared let me say that um it's not only that it's not shared but i i think what's also happens and you kind of touched on it is the fact that the opportunities and grants for farmers that process is not shared with people of color and i see it every day on a different standpoint of how certain individuals get grants for certain things and know the process of process. getting the grant and the technicalities of making sure your package moves past quote unquote the phase one part of it and a lot of black farmers have been like everything else have been disenfranchised out of the multi-million dollars that the usda gives and that they give to farmers. Mm -hmm. They're not oh, going yeah, to farmers. That's why they're losing plus, their plus the turnaround time, right? Like, I mean, I'm not, from what I've gathered from the farmers that I have like been able to hear from is that the loans are like there's a quick turnaround time on when you need to pay them back. But grapevines from planting to like when you are getting producible fruit takes like a year or two before you're even getting your first like mm -hmm. usable grapes. So a lot of the time it's not it's, it's just not, you don't have that much time to work with wow. when you're working with some of these, these um, like you need a product quicker. Exactly. So I know some people will start off buying juice and then turn into their own vines, you know, or you'll start okay. off with, yeah, with okay, distilling. So you might make so a white whiskey and then you'll move into your age stuff because you just need to get it off the, you need to start getting some return. You, 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 you got to start returning some money. You need to right. start making mm -hmm. some money in. So I, I guess that makes sense. Well, I, I was just curious because we we did all these things. We mm. were doing it illegally, but we did it. Yes. Um, right. Oh, we taught them how to do it. How we taught them how to do it. And they didn't. That, that's they didn't be do real. Nothing. Exactly. They weren't doing anything. <laughs> they weren't doing so, anything. Uh, they were ass in the house. I think about Thomas Jefferson and how he brought wine to Virginia and all that stuff. Now we know Thomas Jefferson was not picking his own grapes. He wasn't doing nothing. Doing nothing. So it's I'm like, these slaves brought... were definitely producing doing the, the work. wine that was made on that estate. And I'm like, I would, I, I just, I'm, I'm looking for this information. I haven't found the information I'm looking for yet. But that just, yeah, we we we'll talk offline, Janine, on something. I actually, but I will tell you something. I'm doing in regards to that. Um, I'm growing a corn that's about me and my father growing a corn that's about 200 years old. Is they Thomas Jefferson helped bring this corn to this particular region in Virginia. Oh, wow. And we're growing that this year. Yes. Uh, growing it in South Carolina. So for a special project, I can't, I can't wait this. Y'all hear about it later. If y'all follow me on Instagram or something, y'all see like pictures of my father planting corn and stuff like that. But it's a very special project I'm working on this year. And uh, hopefully it'll be ready toward the end of the year in some way, shape or form. But, uh, we, we got to do that kind of stuff. But since y'all want to talk about grilling and barbecue, what I will say is um, 
there's a couple of drinks that go well with barbecue. And we also talk about like what meat, what alcoholic beverages go with certain meats. If like for whole hog growing up, when we cook whole hog barbecue, we primarily had um, the two things. We weren't really drinking wine. People, I was too young, so I wasn't drinking wine. But uh, I see the men in the, I see the adult men drinking moonshine, um, because that's what was very. It, it always was there, or they drink beer. Right. So, like, when you pe- people see, like, this craft beer, craft distillery movement with uh, barbecue, that was just a reimagining of, of what we already had done in our community, in the African-American community. But when you see people doing this um, craft beer, craft distilling, and craft barbecue, or modern barbecue, that's just a, it was black folk, if you look, the foundation of it based on black folks' culture and tradition. Right. Um, when I think about grilling, like, uh, chicken is a perfect thing for like wine, uh, fish is, uh, probably more of a white wine though, um, for fish, mm-hmm. but Janine might have a better suggestion on like what you would have, want to have with a fish. I'm just thinking, cause you, you, it's not just it being fish, like it's got all that smoke to it too. So you want to be able to have something hold up to it. So you could do a dark rosé, a light red. I would definitely want something with a chill on it. But I mean, I think we often think fish, what, red meat, red. Like we, but there's so much room you could play with in between there. You can also play oh, with rosé, oh. depending on That's what, what break. Yeah. Like a rosé. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. And I um, guess I need to I need to have good wine consultants on my team. <laughs> <laughs> so I know and which what things I need to pair. Bubbles. Don't forget the bubbles. Don't forget yes. the bubbles. Oh my gosh, bubbles with some um some what's it called? What's a pork rinds with pork some? Rinds. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, we supposed yeah. to do we supposed to do that too. God, I would go with like the saltier pork rinds. Like we used to have this dish called like um pork rinds. We we it'd be pork rinds and then we would serve it with like the barbecue sauce I have. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what kind of wine that would go well with. That would be yeah, I think it'd be barbecue sauce. I was say, but I'm just thinking about it. I'm like crunchy, salty. I just right. always go sparkling. It's like French fries, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's the uh, mm. barbecue sauce. Is it like a brown sugar in it, or is it a vinegar base? Base, right? It's more, it's more vinegar. Like, like mm-hmm. sugar in barbecue sauce. In the, like, I would say in the Carolinas, sugar in the barbecue sauce in Carolina is not really heavy. Right. It's more so. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give people a tip. Like, sugar is the People, I use this word twang. People say sugar cut the twang. Right. Yeah, like you know what that word is. <laughs> I do. <Yeah. laughs> I, I do. Janine, you know what you know what that word My is? My daddy is you from heard? North Carolina. My whole dad's okay. side of the family is from down there. So I know okay. a little twang, I, a little kick. I know all the another thing. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. All right. I don't wanna I, I mean, I just wanna make sure I don't wanna I wanna make sure we try translate the language if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you put a little sugar just to cut the twanginess of the vinegar. Mm-hmm. Right. The more sugar you add, the, the more you cut it. Um, that's the reason why people put a little bit of uh, sugar in there. A li- just a, tea- a little bit of sugar in the collard greens, but not a whole lot, but just to cut the vinegar. Sometimes people put vinegar in collard greens. So right. but you do the same I'm, thing I'm, in barbecue I'm, sauce. But I don't put sugar. I love the twang. <laughs> I after, I eat, after, my, after I cook the collars, or my mom cooked the collars, I cook the collars, I put the vinegar on top of the collars. 
There you go. I'm not cutting yeah. the twang. I like the vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> a little spicy vinegar too. Put some pepper, peppercinos in there. Make it a little. Pepper, yeah. Delicious. Uh, what yeah, what so, sides? What sides do y'all like with y'all barbecue? What sides we like with barbecue? So uh, when we were cooking barbecue, we would have uh, something called hash and rice. Um, but basically, that was like the head and some of the organ meat cooked down into like a meat gravy. Uh, the other sides we have would be um, collard greens so, or some kind of greens. It kind of depends on the, the time of the year, though. But we have the mac and cheese, um, potato salad. But kind of in my family, when we cooked the hog, we had certain family members did certain dishes. We kind of... Yeah. It was kind of it was kind of divide and conquer, but also like certain family members. Like I had an aunt; she was the aunt that cooked the greens. Like yeah. that just that'd be me. That was her specialty. <laughs> that was her specialty. You know, that was, like, her, that was her. And somebody else bring it, you'd be like, no, no, that don't work. Um, it's since we grew, we would go uh, candy yams. Yeah. Um, that was a popular side. Let's see what was other sides when we did barbecue. Sometimes we would do butter beans and okra. Mm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> why, why you look like that? Why you look because like that? Because <laughs> I can stand okra. My aunt, I told, I was like, please make me a succotash because we did butter beans and corn, and she would have to make me a pot without the okra because I couldn't get the okra. <laughs> that was just me, and she would tell everybody. Glenn coming from New Jersey. Don't eat this pot right here. So, I mean, that was kind of outside. Sometimes we would do string beans. Uh, sometimes we do okra. Okra and peas or like crowder peas. Um, mm-hmm. I hate shelling peas to this day, but... Say it. That um, is what it is. I hate it. I mean, if I ever get money and I and somebody farming, I'm going to buy a, sheep pel- uh, a pea sheller because that my fingernails good. hurt sitting on the porch with my grandmother's house. I mean, I'm glad I didn't have to do it every day, but I don't like that. Um, <laughs> that's real. That's I'm just telling you the truth. That's for sure. um, the other sides we probably have are just maybe stuffing on occasion. Um, growing up, we when Thanksgiving came around, like we never, turkey was like a secondary item in my community. We uh, primary whole hog was always the main holiday meal. If we cooked the whole turkey, it was cooked on the on the barbecue pit, mm-hmm. kind of uh, at the head of the hog. So we took the head off, so we would put the hog in that place, so we don't have to cook in the oven. Mm-hmm. Uh, for dessert, we kind of had uh, it kind of it was kind of seasonal. It could have been blackberry cobbler, uh, mm-hmm. peach cobbler. If we went to the orchards, uh, pound cake, chocolate cake. We have a cake called jelly cake. Um, Sweet potato pie, coconut pies. Got to have a sweet potato pie. Got to have a sweet potato pie. Um, that was, those are kind of the primary uh, desserts. Uh, sometimes we'll have tea cakes. With mm. this, uh, but it, it just all depends. It just all depends on the time of the year and who was who coming to the table, what aunts and uncles was coming to the table. Because, um, <laughs> like, everybody got me, certain family members just got certain dishes, and that just... Yeah. Exactly. That's true. It's just part of the culture. I mean, right? Yeah, my mom could cook all those dishes, but for the family gatherings, everybody kind of take a take responsibility and kind of help it, so it'll be all a burden on one person. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of 
what a barbecue would be like in my house. And, and they, well, let me say this. When I said barbecue in South Carolina, where I'm from, people expect to see the whole hog. They didn't expect to see no ribs. They didn't expect to see no chicken. <laughs> right, 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 right. They, they didn't expect to see no hot dogs or hamburgers. They expect to see a whole hog. And they expect to see, like, they want to see something called a skin on the hog. Like, we were crisp the yeah. skin crackling. on the pit. It's the crackling. Well, that's the crackling, but we call it skin, but most that's the, the sophisticated term, crackling. That's the educated term. I guess I, when you get a when you get that BS degree or MS or PhD or whatever degrees y'all have, you start turning crackling. But I, I keep it I keep it real. I mean, don't let, just because I got a PhD in engineering, don't get it twisted. I'm from the country, so. I got to go back into that same community when I talk about this. Yeah, culture. I know that's right. <laughs> Degrees don't matter. Go ahead, babe. All I'll say when I go back to South Carolina, where I'm from, degrees and titles don't matter. Yes, if we got to get on the tractor, we got to go cut grass, and just part of it. Part of um, two sides he didn't really mention, which happened, and Janine, you could probably test testify to this. In Carolina, when you're talking about barbecue, it's barbecue, pulled pork, which is pulled pork for those who don't really understand. Because when you say barbecue to some audiences, I left that out. So, yeah. So, when you talk about the pulled pork, chicken, hush puppies, and coleslaw is not Carolina. And coleslaw. And then you make the little sandwich, you put it all up. Yeah, we don't in, in South Carolina. Puppies. We don't do yeah. we don't do cold. That's we don't do North North Carolina. Carolina. I'm proud. Not, not Carolina. on the sandwich. We don't. That's a more of a North, North Carolina, Carolina thing. Like yeah. we don't yeah. do the coleslaw on the sandwich. We would do a coleslaw on the side, or maybe hush puppies on the side, but we don't do it on the sandwich. Um, See, it, it, some do and some don't because I don't like it messy like that. So I ain't doing no sandwich like that anyway because it's gonna make my bread wet. Then I'm not gonna eat it because I don't like consistency. Because that's me. However. I will do some chicken and coleslaw, but the coleslaw, oh my God, and hush puppies. That was, that, that was a new, the coleslaw thing was a new thing to me when I went to a and I'm like, what y'all talking about? Okay, coleslaw huh? on, on barbecue sandwiches, and then they also had it on, uh, on hot dogs. Yeah, they put coleslaw on damn near everything. <laughs> I guess it's so. It's your vegetable. Got to get that cabbage in there. Got to get that cabbage in there. Okay, I, t- I, get, I take that. <laughs> so is is the coleslaw vinegar or mayonnaise base? Um, for me, it's, oh, it's it's ma- mayonnaise base. Um, but That's I like a sour cream based coleslaw. I never mm. had that before. That's I never bad. had that one before. Mm. Okay. Uh-huh. I've had vinegar, sour cream. I lo- I like vinegar because that's like Amish because they don't they can't keep it cool. So, but okay. I don't like mayonnaise. But, I don't like mayonnaise either. So the vinegar base right. and sour cream is delicious, um, but the mayonnaise definitely is another. Yeah, yeah, because we yeah, yeah, most coleslaw I remember was mayonnaise base. It's mayonnaise base. Right? Yeah, ours is mayonnaise base, but I feel like it always had a little something to it. So I feel like it had a little bit of vinegar in it, like just to. Oh, yeah, sometimes people a little vinegar. Sometimes people like a little scoop of mustard in there just to kind of. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm. Me and my friend were literally just talking about this earlier today. Like, <laughs> so how you make your potato salad? How you make your coleslaw? <laughs> but you don't eat everybody potato salad. Oh, no. No, 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 you don't eat everybody's potato salad. I'm sorry. No, That's no, the, no. It's almost like like you don't eat. It's not religion. I eat chit. I'm gonna say it like this. I eat chitlin, 
but I don't eat everybody chitlins because I need to know whoever cooked the chitlins. I need to know y'all clean the chitlins. See, I don't. I know some of y'all parents. Yeah, you could judge. Time. You could judge me, Janine. <laughs> I don't eat chillings. I don't let everybody have. <laughs> I've never had chillings, but I made a point um a year. I said like a year ago. I was like, that's mad disrespectful. Like, who I think I am? I'm gonna try some chillings, but I want them to be good. So I got to. No, but you gotta make, I'm gonna try. Respectful is I ain't even. I'm gonna tell you. You gotta make sure the person. You, you gotta know. You gotta trust the person though, because they gotta clean those chitlins. Yes, indeed. You gotta know they clean. Don't just because they say pre-clean chitlins. That means you still got to clean them, though. You got to clean you, them again still, and again. And I don't want yeah, them to be made them. in my house. Like, I need oh, no, 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 no. make them <laughs> and then, like, bring them to me, and then I will eat them. <laughs> so, yeah, hey, that's I my get plan. Cause, but I want to try them because I feel like it's just, I'm like, very uh, bougie on me, too. I ate chillings as a kid. Like, we ate them as a kid. Um, with hot sauce and vinegar. They tender. Yep, hot sauce and vinegar. Yeah, I don't really know how to describe it. But I it's know a, that you, smell. I, mean, I know the taste. It's a, I can, you can I smell, can it, smell it right mm-hmm. now. Thinking about it, it's yeah. just shitty. Yeah. It's just shitty. <laughs> shit. I'm not eating. <laughs> shit. That's called a sh- piece of shit. The reason I bring the reason I bring that up, all jokes aside, I bring I brought that up because when people was on the farm and they killing these animals, they use every part of the animal. Yes, yes. And sir. we kind of got away from that practice. There, there was no part of the animal that was really wasted years ago. Yeah. And so I think I think I just want to kind of remind people that you have to kind of remember that animal gave us like, well, usually we had no other source of like meat. And mm-hmm. so when they kill an animal, they using everything, whether it was a liver, like liver and grits. This is not barbecue related, but like one of my favorite things when we used to kill hogs was like barbecue. I mean, rice and liver or grits and liver. As they say, um, from the rooty to the tootie, he got cooked. He got dirty cooked. Rice. And that's the, the thing that dirty always um, yep. surprised me about like this new age food world or whatever. A lot of the traditions that they talk about, like we eat from the land. If we kill an animal, we're eating the whole thing. Like when we couldn't afford animals, we were eating veggie-based diet. So it's like, like pork or food, like the, the meat was actually like more of a seasoning than, than the main event. So it just yeah, it always surprised event. me that we're like left out of this, like, you know, farm to table kind of conversation when we created. Mm. Yeah, no, we, we created a farm to table. We, we, yeah. we were almost vegetarian. We were almost vegetarians to be truthful. Yeah, exactly. Poor folks was almost vegetarian. Whatever came out the garden, that's what they was eating. Whether it was okra, peas, squash, cucumber, uh, watermelon, um, yep, corn, peanuts. I mean, peanut. Oh yeah, peanut. Boiled peanuts. Yeah. I mean, the one, the thing I hate. I think the other thing I hate the most growing up. I'm, we used to like pick pecans and shell pecans in oh, the winter. Goodness. In the winter time. Yes. I used to. Our Christmas. Nuts, we used to get nuts for Christmas. <laughs> we used to shell it before Christmas. Tangerines. That was my dad's thing. Like he would be like, I need a bowl. Tangerine of nuts. and nuts. I'm like, why is this in the stocking? Because that's what you get in your stock. That's, that's what you get. <laughs> like it hurts when they get, when Christmas time come around, you get a little bag with like orange, an uh, orange, an apple, and oh. a little like hard candy. Oh, yeah. y'all bad? What? That was in no, the stocking? <laughs> no. That was in the church. Those were what they could afford. It's just. Passed down, you know, 
I can't, I'm giving y'all a, I mean, I know this is a wine conversation, but I want to give y'all a little bit of culture since y'all asked sure. me to call. No, go for no, it. We love, love it. it. We love it. I love y'all, but I got to go because I have another conversation. I think a lot of people are starting to celebrate Juneteenth this year. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up, I ain't never, honestly, I ain't know about Juneteenth holiday. Never heard of it. I don't know if it wasn't, I know it started in Texas, but I never heard of it in South Carolina where I was from. I don't think until I was in college did I hear about Juneteenth. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that's kind of yeah. when I heard about Juneteenth. I read this book. I, mean, I think, I think it's an important Lila. holiday we need to celebrate. It was in there. I do believe it's a holiday we do we do need to start celebrating. I think we need to start celebrating Juneteenth more personally than the Fourth of July. Oh sure. And and the reason I would say that for African Americans is like Juneteenth is a holiday for us. Like Fourth of July is a holiday for the country. But if you look at the history of the Fourth of July and the barbecue culture, like if you go back to 1776. Who was cooking the, they, the enslaved Africans? Our enslaved ancestors were cooking the barbecue for their white plantation owners, and um, that is why the Fourth of July is a very uh, barbecue-heavy um, holiday in this country, and also particularly in our community because of that long-lasting legacy. But they don't. A lot of people in our community don't realize how far back it goes, mm. and they was cooking doing those. Fourth of July holidays, they was cooking in those long trenches that I'm talking about. They would kill how many animals they need to cook, kill, cook, whether it's um, hogs, goats, sheep, lamb, cows. It's, it just all depends. But barbecue, and they would cook them whole. They would cook them whole. And uh, growing up, pretty much the only animals that I experienced people cooking up was pretty much just hogs and um Chicken. So when I went to, into the literature, I started seeing the other animals. The other animals, the only animals that I saw in the literature that I didn't cook growing up, I never cooked the lamb growing up and I never cooked the whole cow growing up. Mm-hmm. But to complete this barbecue narrative, the dark barbecue journey for me, I wanted to under, I wanted to cook those animals. And so I went back and cooked a lamb, a goat, and I cooked the cow. And I would call it, I would kind of say the cow is the holy grail, mm-hmm. a whole cow. Wow. Um, like, I want to take that. <laughs> how heavy yeah. was that? that? I know that had to be how heavy. Yeah, how long did that take? And how big of a hole did you have? Right. Oh, I did. Oh, I built that above ground. I built oh, that. That was okay. above ground pit. Okay. I'll give okay. her say that's a tomb if you had to do that joker underground. I was. I wasn't digging the hole. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you do that to pay reference to the past, but you do better when you can. So. Um, <laughs> There's a I, I hosted a I hosted and co-produced a show with PBS called Nourish. And episode ten talk about me cooking a whole cow. Wow. Mm. And it talks about how I designed a pit and my father built the pit. Nice. They actually cook okay. it so it to rotate. You might really like this one. You might should look at it. It may make you think about what your uh, father did in, or your grandfather did in North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay. Okay. Definitely. Hmm. Because a- like during the cook. Go ahead, sweetie. During the cooking process, I had to rotate the cow periodically. Not all the time, but periodically. Nice. So you mentioned earlier, and I, when I when I got off, I was like, God, I didn't get a chance to say You mentioned earlier that the show that we just watched lot did the watch party with you, said you couldn't use the word slave or enslaved. Yeah, I mean, this, this, this is Hollywood. I mean, <laughs> see, that's... <mass> media. <laughs> 
cracks me up. I mean, so, it is what it is. A slave was a slave. So what word they, did you have to use? Exactly. Use ancestors. ancestors? They, so they told you ahead what of time they you can't you use the word well, slave? No, it, it, like, so what y'all realize, like, some of the stuff is kind of like, it's not stripped it per se, but before <laughs> I do the show, they kind of walk you through, like, they kind of know what we're going to say. Right. Like, oh, right, some, right, right, some right. things are kind of like, some things are kind of like off the cuff. Uh-huh. But some things are kind of like we need those sound lines to carry because they know they got to get in a certain time frame. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's interesting how they don't want to say slave or enslaved people in America when stop trying to but act I, like but, it didn't exist. But but what I, would, exist. what I would say when I worked with PBS and um, public broadcasting station, I was able to use the word enslaved on that series nurse. I wasn't, but like cooking channel and stuff like, like now they might with, with this whole this whole protest and stuff. They may mm-hmm. they, they may say, okay, we need to talk about using the word enslave, and the reason right. I try not to use slave because enslave is a bit more appropriate term to use. But I mm-hmm. think they may address that now because in this moment you see so much of white supremacy, right? And white supremacy just didn't start it thirty years ago or forty years ago. Right. It started 400 years ago when the country was formed, and that's when white supremacy, white supremacy, and patriarchy started in this country right. 400 years ago. And the reason I, the reason I brought up patriarchy in and of itself is a separate item because it's something that still plagued America and also plagued the black community, exactly. um, particularly, particularly with like women and black males and black women. Black, uh, I might not use the right word because there's this whole debate about female and women or, or female and woman, but I'm an engineer. I, I know about derivatives and calculus and integrals and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I do know that they, there's a big debate, and I think sometimes we need to really kind of hone in on this whole patriarchy debate in the black community. Right. And certain, certain topics we need to kind of address, and we need to meet these things head on because um, exactly. it can hold us back. Exactly. And so that's the reason I brought it out between white supremacy and patriarchy because it, it, it's a real thing. Some, but sometimes I do know, like for myself, in media or some opportunities I may have, I may have to go in that door to get in the door. Right. Oh, yeah, totally understandable. But when you said it, I was like, let me circle back to that because that's very interesting because there's going to, if we keep, and not you, but just in general, if we stop using terminology if we stop teaching how to cook in a pit there's going to be a void in african-american children that because we're not teaching about slavery in school anymore we're not teaching about what the african-american contribute to this country outside of food even in engineering even in astronomy you know there's so many things and if we don't keep it on our tongue and in our griot, so we're t- telling our children that it's going to be lost because it's not in the video, it's not in it's, the Xbox. I mean, the the term that we use in our community, I don't want to say it. But we used to use this word called in rigging. In rigging. I'm gonna leave it like that. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave it like that. I, maybe y'all can read between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> they, I'm gonna say they use they use that way I'm from. I don't know if they use that way y'all from. Y'all may be a little more sophisticated, a little more educated, and so because of that, 
<laughs> one time I was at work and I, I put something together. I just, you know, I, I whatever. I made something happen and they were like, oh, well, how did you do that? And I wanted so bad to say that. And I was like, you can't say that to these people. No, you, <laughs> <can't>. <laughs> yeah, you can't. No. <laughs> you cannot say that to these people. I was like, you know, I just figured it out. But that is a word. Y'all good because them jokers at my job already know now because I had to tell them a couple of times, leave your ethnic jokes at home with your ethnic family because once you open the door, I'm there. When you open the door and they open it and that all best spin off ever since, now that ain't how that go down. Y'all got involved. Mm, I can't talk. Okay, no, no. Fit <laughs> Do the block. I'm sorry. Sorry I got off task. But no, we need to kind of tell little stories. And right. all those, I think like... um. With with my own personal story, uh, I have to kind of take it a little more serious because a lot of people, it's not many times you get to see an African-American who worked for NASA and have a platform that I have, um, especially in the food and beverage industry, um, not necessarily in the beverage industry, but in the food space right now. It, it gives me the opportunity to be exposed to a lot of people exactly. and a lot of people may not young people may not get the opportunity to understand. So like, if I say like, I'm one of 20, in 2009, when I got my PhD, I was one of 20 African-Americans that earned a PhD in the mechanical engineering. That's right. a big deal. You're right. I mean, that's a huge deal. deal. Yeah. 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 We need to have a Don't show just talk young. about that. What mechanical engineers drink. I mean, could you process. even explain to us what yeah. exactly you do? So um, what I do currently is, um, as an engineer, is like when we test rocket engines, you have all kind of fluid and mechanical systems. And so you like we want to make sure like if we have valves to turn on and off in the in the facilities, like in your plumbing in your house, basically your plumbing in your house, you want to make sure that is able to supply fuel to the rocket engine. Mm -hmm. um, okay. The other thing I do sometimes is like when we take when we test rocket engines, we need to get data off those rocket engines and better determine the performance. Mm -hmm. And so like like horse instead it wouldn't be called horsepower, called ISP. Mm -hmm. And so we better take like thrust and flow meter measurements to help and making sure those measurements are accurate. So uh, I do some calibration type work to make sure those uh, measurements are pretty accurate. Um, a couple of years ago, I did some technology development work in developing something called HDR, high-speed video cameras technology. It, was in the, it got to the prototype phase. And what HDR is for everybody is when you look on your phone, they have this, this thing called HDR on most of the smartphones. And it really helps bring light and dark backgrounds into play on your camera. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you'll see a little thing and say HDR, and it really helps you with uh, when your lighting and stuff is not right. Is that high definition it, resolution? It, it stands for actually high dynamic range. High dynamic and range. Okay. Let me let me let me make let me interpret and make it to, make it real for all of you all in the in the room. So when you go into a room at night, your eyes make adjustments, and, and it make it in real time. So like, say your bedroom is dark at night, your your irises and stuff open up and your, your pupils open up. So therefore you can see like the bed, you can see the, the table so you don't kick your toe. But the camera technology don't have that because they got electronic sensors. And so you, you got to be able to, in, in any kind of electronic gadget for you trying, you, in cameras in particular, you got to kind of like mimic that process in the human body. Oh. And so I, I will tell people all the time, the human body is the one of the most technological things in the world. 
Yeah. And yeah, so when yeah. I said I cook, when I cook barbecue, barbecue using my human, I basically use, I use the five senses to cook barbecue because wow. those things are pretty accurate. The hand is accurate. Um, your smell is accurate. Yeah. Um, the sight is accurate. Like I could look at the hog over a certain time and kind of tell from experience. But the, the thing I will say is, if I wasn't shown this practice, I had to learn from somebody, or some people say apprentice. Right. I had to pay my dues under the under my father and other men like him to make sure I get this thing right. Exactly. Um, and I and one thing I would say, like it was a primarily male dominated field for barbecue in the American South. Exactly. There, but there were a few there were a few women that cooked whole hog in my community. Um. It, it, one, it, one, it, I'm gonna leave it like this. One of the individuals who cooked whole hog in my community, uh, the reason she did it, she was a bootlegger. Right. Nice. <laughs> did she have a little juke joint? She had a little juke joint. I, 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 I don't know it for my time period, <laughs> but I, all I would say is, and for people who don't know what a bootlegger is, a bootlegger is a person who sells illegal liquor. They have they have something called liquor houses in the south. Yeah. You have fifty. You have quarter. You have you sell like fifty and dollar cent shots, but it, they probably cost a little more now if they still exist. I, I, I'm not saying whether they exist or not, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but Talk I do know. But I'm, it, I, I'm not the night. I'm not no, shot I'm houses not, in Virginia. <laughs> Just so shot houses, but I, but what I what I say about those things is was important. That money made was made in the community and it stayed in the community. Exactly. 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 And exactly. so so like when we thought when we start thinking about civil rights and our whole rights of how we uh funded that kind of stuff, the people some of the unsung heroes were those same bootleggers, those same number runners, those same I don't say all they got some other stuff going on in those them houses and stuff like that, but I'm gonna just say the bootleggers, the moonshiners and the number runners funded probably, and some of the cooks, because also in these houses, they were serving, they were cooking food, whether it was barbecue or whatever, but it was funding these movements. Mm -mm. And it was a lot of unsung heroes. They they may not have been the people like Dr. King or Rosa Parks sitting on the bus, but they was like the silent heroes in the trenches or in the woods making liquor or whatever to, um, to help get us to our liberty. Well, we're not free yet, but Mm. To kind of make progress. Exactly. Exactly. Man, that woo, because yeah, it was a dollar shot and a beer. So you got a shot of liquor and a beer if you want <laughs> in my side of I didn't want to say all I didn't want to say all that because I ain't I'm, I it's a, this a spirit show, so you can get a dollar <laughs> shot of moonshine and vodka <laughs> and a beer. Oh, y'all have y'all have vodka? Okay, y'all fancy. Oh, that's the, oh, wait, 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 Dr. Collins, hold up. That's when I was old enough to realize that they was doing it. It was like, okay, that's that. And I'm not even going to call the brand, but yeah. Yeah, yeah that okay, was in okay. Virginia. Oh, yeah. That was in Virginia. That was in the plastic bottle. That probably was in the plastic bottle. <laughs> not the glass bottle. <laughs> I mean, this is a spirit show. I mean, I'm sorry, this is not a exactly. wine show. I mean, I talked so wine, but but... I mean, I want to give you, since y'all asked me to come doing grilling month, this stuff is yeah. ties directly into grilling. Sure. Um, exactly. it, I mean, it fundamentally ties into the grilling. You got a question, Zine? Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about, um, like, the 
muscadine wine and like the wine, the fruit wine and those kind of traditions in the South? Do you know much about them? Yeah, I mean, I know. <laughs> I, don't, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm, that's so outside of my what, knowledge. What, what, what's so like, so like, it's a, it's a seasonal product, though. It's like a fall. You can't get those grapes until like the fall of the year. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so like everybody generally had in like your grandmother's house. So they always had like these big grape bushes and they had on like these big trellises in the backyard and you kind of go, they kind of had them in a frame structure, almost like a little, I'm trying to think of the word now that they have any people backyards. Uh, not a taranga. It start with a T I think. Tarek, no, perugula. A like trellis. A, like a trellis or a perugula and uh basically they have a pergola a pergola a pergola, pergola. Uh -huh. it, so for the fancy people of the, of the 2020 era <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they would have these grape vines and they would actually have these and they will harvest these grapes and then they will take them back to the house and they will make wine in the houses and um some people sell it they would make they would take like yeast like um I, they didn't necessarily do natural wines. From what I understand, they took like bread yeast, the baker's yeast, and, and make use that as their bacteria source. Instead mm. of like one of our friends, Chris the Scruggs, who I'm waiting to, I'm, I, I joined her wine, her, her wine her list. Wine. Yeah, she's a friend of podcast. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm kind of right kinda, here. A little plug for y'all. Hold up. This is one of her cans. Oh. Oh, she comes to DC. Yeah, she's coming to see us. I bought them. I be on her. I'm on her mailing list, so I'd be ready. I got on her mailing list. I got the four bottle mailing list, but I didn't know you could buy the cans. I thought you had to be in Vermont to get the cans. No, it okay. was like a small right. release. I got some cans, and I joined the wine club. I got some extra. I'll save some. <laughs> okay, I, I, don't worry. Somebody. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I did join the wine club. I got the four bottle wine club. I'm I'm supporting. I'm I'm in there. I already paid. I'm waiting for my stuff to come out. But um, <laughs> I am excited. But like the natural yeast, fer the natural fermentation process, I'm really interested in seeing. I, I plan to probably go up to her uh, vineyard, Zaffer Vineyards in Vermont, to kind of see that um, process, see how she do it. Mm -hmm. Plan to go up there in September, I think. But uh, but people will make wine in the fam in the family, and they will. Some people might sell it, and they generally it was just a seasonal product. It was pretty okay. straightforward because you you don't take much. I mean, a little bit of sugar, a little bit of wine, a little bit of uh, grapes, and a little bit of bread. Bread yeast. Um, Janine, cool. you might have heard of Duplin Wines, D U P L I N, mm -hmm. the county in oh, Duplin County. So yeah. that's the county that my family is from. That's and where my Carolina. mama was born. That's how I know about that thing. We oh might really be related. Okay, oh that's back to Dr. I say this all the time, Glennis. Wait, aren't y'all both from New Jersey, too? Exactly. And we don't talk about this. Yeah. We don't talk about this all lot. But yes, that's, crazy. That's, that's a great migration for y'all, though. Mm -hmm. it, it, very much so, Dr. Commons. Very much so. Because yeah. my grandmother's cousins and sis cousins and sis migrated to Jersey, and that's how the rest of us got there. Yep, and my oh. grandmother had 15 brothers and sisters, and we all know oh. where some of them are. So. Uh, we related. Wow. <laughs> Dr. Collins, go ahead. What you talking about? We're, we're, in a, 
I mean, the Great Migration is a real thing. Um, I have a lot of family in, like, Baltimore who left. And generally, when people left for certain communities, they ended up, like, if somebody from Dublin County ended up in New Jersey, whether they were family or not, they, they their pockets would be people follow and they help get those people right. started exactly um, yeah. I, and, they, and once they get established then they start going coming back down south and grabbing and you ain't <laughs> never lied because i was yeah. trips back and forth now 95. <laughs> my mother's standing here laughing now she is kid because she can i was like do we got to get in this car again and then they tried to bring everything back to the north all the spices, the meat, and to put in them deep freezers you talked about, which we couldn't get in the north. They, we, I was in the car like this. So my, 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 my grandparents used to send a lot of stuff because they, they was the ones who stayed. We, my grandparents stayed, so <laughs> they used to send a lot of stuff. Like both of my grandparents um, used to send like a whole like one was one of my grandparents used to hustle hams. Yeah, <laughs> I told him, and they put them in cool, put all this stuff in coolers, pack it in ice, and sit this. Oh wow, this is just so. Um, I swear. But, but then my 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 other side of family, my they took they took care of each other. If we were down here farming, they, we took care of our uh, family up north in, during the Great Migration mm-hmm. as best as we could, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And when they come home, when they came home, they got what. I mean, that's the ultimate expression of love, but it was also survival. I mean, yep. we were producing stuff on the land, and so it, it was cheap for us to produce it. Exactly. And we had to kill three or four extra hogs to be able to put stuff to send something up north. Right. That was that was kind of the accepted practice. And um, I hope through the, the reason, part of the reason I did this discussion, this thing with you all, I hope through some of my work that we kind of bridge this urban-rural divide. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we... We, it's a conversation that we have to have. I don't. I can't tell you much about the North, honestly, because I don't really have a. I never lived there, so there's a whole different dynamic, and I would mm-hmm. never want to tell anybody about the North. I mean, I may tell y'all uh, somebody about the North about like how the barbecue tradition maybe look up there, but and what things y'all see in the barbecue sauce or the the rib joints or the rib shacks, and how that pertain related back to the South. But I'm not gonna tell you how I lived there, but I can tell you about how I live in the rural South. I can speak to that. I know that. And and I will always speak to that. But I think there's a there's opportunities for um the community survival. The rural and urban connection is very is 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 key. We can't forget about people in rural areas. Um and they could do things that we can't do. And uh, I think there's a beautiful relationship and during the Great Migration, a lot, there was a strong relationship between the, the rural and urban areas, mm-hmm. even though it may be it was unofficial, not recognized, but it was one of the things that helped us survive. Exactly. To help people survive in their in their urban areas and help people survive in their rural areas. Exactly. That's like you know, they probably look up to the north too from the south. Well, what oh, sure. are you talking about? Like, especially them chicken sandwiches. I didn't want to say that, but especially <laughs> them chicken it. sandwiches wrapped in wax paper and them pieces of white bread. <laughs> Uh, I, have a, I have a barbecue question. I have a, um, do you have any tips for us who are just barbecuing in our backyard? Yeah, so. Um, On propane grills. Let's be real. Oh. Let's be real. I can't talk about that You might cook. Why you don't cook in the oven? I do that too, but it takes us, <laughs> you know what? 
Okay, I thought you was my friend. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you don't cook my propane, you might well cook it. Wood chips under the thing so I get a little smoke. <laughs> she gonna burn her house. Down. I mean, it's on the grill. I mean, the it's on the grill outside. But I, I personally, if I'm gonna cook on a grill in the backyard, I'm all about charcoal. Like okay. there doesn't like a little charcoal yeah. um, hot dog. I don't like boiled hot dogs in water. I like I rather grill. I rather grill it with some Kingsford charcoal. What I would say is. Um, to play around with like Kingsford charcoal or lump charcoal. Mm -hmm. it, it's a little different heat, but the, the taste is different. Um, the other thing I would think for is like meat wise. Um, start people need to start cooking whole whole chickens and stuff instead of like whole mm -hmm. packs of ribs and the reason uh, whole packs of wings because like when you get a twenty pack of wing, wings. The last time I checked, a chicken only has two wings. How about that? So, so when you cook twenty wings, then you got ten chickens out there. Mm. And, and therefore, you therefore to get that kind of demand, you got to have commercial operations. But um, other tips I would say for like grilling is um, meat selection is critical. The better quality meat you buy, and what I mean by that is like if you could kind of know your farmer. That's a better product for you. I don't think the true story of commodity products has been truly understand in how it's reacting in the body because they put a lot of antibiotics in those animals. And um, if we have privileges and we can afford to buy better quality meat, we should. We should. I think you, your body is your most important asset. Exactly. More so than your house. So exactly. I will say if you had the opportunity and you can afford better quality meat, do that if you can. Um, also think about like grilling vegetables. Um, I'm a big proponent of grilling vegetables, like either Brussels sprouts. I don't even know why my parents didn't want me to eat Brussels sprouts growing up, but I really like grilled Brussels they sprouts. Little cabbages, they yeah. mm -hmm. they little cabbages. Yeah. Little cabbages. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they didn't. Maybe they couldn't grow them in the South. That maybe what it was. It, it, I don't know. Back to the economics. How many is being said when we could get a full cabbage, chop sure. that up, and make a whole? Um other other grilling tips is like um so when I was on my fire food I we don't have to have twenty seasonings in a in a meat in a rub. I think you can get by with five. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you keep we, we try to do too too much to the to mm -hmm. the meat product or do too much to the recipe. And it doesn't require all that. If you think of how our grandmothers and mothers and grandfathers cook. They didn't have all those ingredients, but they definitely had some herbs in that pot, though. Right. They yeah. definitely had the herbs and the fresh herbs, not and like this dried, this dry mm -hmm. stuff we have. So, yeah, I think we. I mean, those will be some of my biggest tips: is like try to do like fresh herbs as possible. Mm. Nice. And quality and quality meat. Excellent. So, so we be coming over. <laughs> Y'all, y'all gonna pull up. Y'all gonna pull. As long as y'all bring some good wine, I guess. I mean, <laughs> we can be like six cook. feet apart in your backyard. Exactly. <laughs> but you got to get rid of that gas grill, though. I, I can't come and cook. No, on that's the gas me. Grill. We going. To oh, I got charcoal grill. She yeah. got. That's why okay. I said we coming to her house. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure. Like, 
I, I just don't cook on gas. Cooker. I can make you the best scampi ever. I ain't doing. I ain't messing. I, I ain't doing all that. Okay. <laughs> I would give if you was in like Chicago. I might would have let you get a pass. I'm in DC. No, I'm in uh, Maryland. In a town. But it's not that. It's, it's not that cold in DC like that. Like Chicago, I might say, you know what? You ain't got time to let that charcoal get lit. You talk about work. I ain't doing all that. <laughs> See, that's what wrong with y'all folks. Exactly. I'd rather go to somebody else's house or find a man who want to stoke the... Go ahead, baby. Stoke what, what else you need? Because I got the size in here. What size you need? I'm going to cook the sweet potatoes and I'm calling. I ain't going to cook no cabbage because I'll make soup out of it because that's another issue. But if you need, got you. Make sure your shoes straight. I saw them red bottom sneakers you had on that video. That's my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those. Yeah, my wife was like, "Yeah, you get some new shoes for TV. You're not, you're not going there with some busted TV. Sh- you're not busted. You're not going there with some busted sneakers." Mm. Hey, that, yeah, that's I told him. I tell him. Yeah, wow. Yeah. This is good. So, Dr. Kanye is like, where can everybody follow you? And do you have anything else coming up? Um, let's see. I'm on my, I'm most active on, Insta, well, I'm probably more active on Facebook, but like, um, uh, I've been transitioning to Instagram, Carolina Cunola underscore PhD. Um, uh, my personal website is howardconyers.com. Sometimes I put very interesting, um, art articles on barbecue history and culture on my personal website. Um, the project that I'm mostly excited about that I started two years ago, is called Gumbo Jubilee. Well, Gumbo Jubilee, and the reason I is a is an event where I was trying to do something to honor the contribution across the recognize the contribution in the African diaspora. And um, what was more important for me with that, I wanted to honor people in the food and beverage industry because there was not recognition for us Black folks mm-hmm. that centered us. Like, no need to be like one in a crowd and being tokenized. Mm-hmm. Um, and got to like, and all those side like, I'm, just to be honestly, so, what I have seen in media and what I have seen in the food and beverage industry, the people who get recognized, they don't always, it, we got to focus on black folks, but right. we also, sometimes we may have to recognize somebody white. Right. But right. we shouldn't be, but because but, they always help us, somebody probably help us along the way. But also I have seen the recognition of in the food space is, if you're a certain size, you may not get a certain attention. Hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's colorism issues. That's a whole other thing, but, but like there's a size issue. Oh, and you can be like really talented. And I think like my mom is not the smallest person and she's not the biggest person. So it, it never really registers to me. But I have started, as I start to look at across the food industry and I see who's represented on media, it don't represent everybody. Um, mm-hmm. We use this term, we used to use this term called big bone. It wasn't necessarily fat or obese people, they were just big bone people. Um, I don't know if that, I don't know if they said they had big bones, but, that's, but that was the word we used to describe them, but they was, my, I, mean, my mom, I love my mom, and so and when I see somebody, mm-hmm. I, I judge them based on the character, their gifts and talents, not based on their size, and I think mainstream media, um, sometimes get caught up in like looks, um, being in clicks. I'm focusing on the work 
and I, I want to pick people who are doing amazing work, who I think are, deserve recognition, because if we don't recognize ourselves, nobody else will. And I just seen in the food and beverage industry, we're kind of like a second thought, unless we're a token. And I don't, I think we need to be proud of who we are, what we do in this industry. And, and we need to do it from not just the food and beverage people, we need to do it from the farmer, also to the, um, the media people. And so, so the gumbo, so I do a set of awards called the Gumbo Jubilee Awards, and I hope to be able to, I'm going to do it this year, this fall in a virtual format that people recognize different people across the country. I, the first two years, two years ago, I, I selected three people. This year, their, the selection has pretty much been made. And I hope when those particular people, I hope that be in a position to be able to work with those individuals to help cultivate and well they help me cultivate to become even more leaders in their space and give them like more advanced training because sometimes in the industry we you, people i have seen people think about things a little different i'm an engineer and tech thing i'm an engineer minded person but in the food and media industry sometimes you have to start thinking about intellectual property uh tax lawyers or accountants we got to we got to really think this is a business world we're in america unfortunately so since we're in america we live in a capitalistic society. There are certain rules that we have to play by. And we need to understand that we are a business. I mean, this is a business out here. It's not like it's a, we can be operating at the back of our house. And so like, I want us to kind of go to the next level and, and own our stuff. Like I really want us to own our, own our brand, own our stuff. And um, that's partly because I, because of my background. Uh, growing up in the South Carolina, my parents, the family necessarily have thousands of thousands of acres, but they always try to chill us on our land and try to get more dirt because they're not making more of it. But um, And I kind of translate that to different things whether I'm working in media because it gives you a certain leverage, a certain ability to le leverage and get things you might not. Mm -hmm. um, but also, we don't understand certain things. Like, I'm learning money every day. Money. You don't, money shouldn't define you, but you need to understand how money works. It's, you have to understand how finance and accounting work if you want to have a successful okay. business. Because most people who, people of color who have businesses, it's the finance and accounting that get them caught up and they lose it. Mm. Correct. So, so the people I select, the people I recognize, I want to make sure that they have that, not that advanced knowledge. Um, I don't have it. I'm, a, I mean, I'm not going to tell you I'm, a, I'm an expert in everything, but I do what I have learned through the PhD process. If you don't know it, you go out and find that individual. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. There you and go. when you go to a school like the Duke University, they teach you that. They tell you that you mm -hmm. you find the people in your network. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So that, that was awesome. probably not why I related, but I thought that oh. may be helpful for. No, it, yeah, team. it's very helpful. And it goes across all industries. Yeah, it's something that we needed yeah. to hear. Mm -hmm. Any other questions for Dr. Conyers <laughs> or any last thoughts before we log off? <laughs> oh, no, I don't have a question, but I want to say thank you so much for um, your time. And this has just been extremely uh, enlightening and nourishing for the soul. And we really thank you for taking the time um, and that you chose to be with us tonight. So thank exactly. you so much. Ditto. Absolutely. Ditto. Exactly. It is always a pleasure to be around 
you ladies who, who have always held me down and Dr. Congress, you hold me down too. So I just am so grateful that I have that, people but... like y'all that are like <laughs> there for me throughout like my budding journey. And thank you so much for inviting me on. You know, no problem, cousin. <laughs> <laughs> y'all probably are cousins. I mean, shoot. Exactly. You might yeah, never get killed. Are. <laughs> you probably are, but no, all all those aside, thanks for having me. Uh, I enjoy being in this group of space with uh wine people. Um I'm slowly getting to know the beverage side of the world and it's very fascinating to me because I, I like the reason I like the beverage side of the world, it, it kind of ties with, the more and more I learn about it, the science side of me is attracted to it. Sure. Yeah. It's just all science to me. It's chemistry, it all in science. biology. That, that's all it is. Chemistry mm -hmm. and history put together, and yeah, then that's what beverage and that whole thing is. And yeah. if you have any questions, like one of us is going to have the answer. So right, just reach <laughs> out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Exactly. Thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll take that if I need that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. what Everybody, stay safe. Yeah. yeah. Everybody stay safe. Yeah. That's All right, real. Well, everybody have a good day.